Hello everyone, Lawrence here again. Welcome to episode 5 of the LB Performance Podcast with me, as always, your host. In season 1's midway episode, I'll be speaking to Juliano, a good friend of mine who owns Unfiltered Coffee Co, as well as being a barista in his own shop. In today's discussion, we talk about his experiences in starting up his own coffee shop and starting a business, having initially started a career in scientific research. We also talk about the components of his business that are really important to him for maintaining very high standards of coffee in his shop, and we also touch on the journey of the coffee bean, how it gets from the farmer to the coffee shop customer, but also what Juliano's role is with that. And lastly, as always, we answer the listeners' questions which you sent in through my Instagram page during the week. To give people a bit of context as to the first part of this episode, myself and Juliano are finishing up a conversation to do with an unfortunate incident that happened with my dog, Loki. Now, the day that this episode is being released is on a Friday. On the Wednesday evening, myself and Juliano recorded this. The Wednesday afternoon, I actually had taken Loki out to the local park for a quick walk. And in the process, he may have eaten something in the park that caused an allergic reaction to him, which only happened a couple of hours later, prior to us recording the episode. Thankfully, Loki's absolutely fine now. He's in good form. Juliano's dog has also gone through the same thing. And you'll hear his name, Cobra, in the first part of this episode. Without further ado, here's episode 5. Enjoy the episode, take a couple of notes, enjoy the laughs, and I'll chat to you guys on the other side. Speak. Oh, you're on mute. <laughs> All right, now say something. How is it? Is it good there now? There we go. Now All we have right. yeah. Listen, man. First uh, Zoom call. How are you, anyway? Man, amazing. A little bit sleepy, but amazing. <laughs> Bro, how is the dog? The dog is much better now. He had a bit of a hyper buzz now off the zero tech for about ten minutes, yeah, and then yeah, he was yeah, yeah. he's been conked ever since. So he's uh, he's in good form though. Happened to to Cobra, and I was like freaking out, man. He got like all over his body, but he's yeah. fine. So I was like, oh, it's weird. Why is he okay? But like he's all lumpy, you know. I googled it, and this guy on YouTube and there's like a little YouTube kind of documentary thing on what you do when your dog is has hives or an allergic reaction. Yeah. And the guy on the video was very calm. So which made me very, very calm. So I was like, huh, <laughs> maybe this isn't a, a huge issue. I was like, maybe this this is fine. And let's see what he's talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. Dogs are, are the most loyal creatures you can have, man. Yeah. I, I always say less kids and more dogs. That's my motto. To anybody who usually comes into my shop, I would always go, man, listen, bro, you have three kids enough already. Just get a dog. <laughs> Yeah, the dog is what you need to balance things out, surely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Getting into the whole topic of coffee, I wanted to ask you, first of all, how you got to where you are now. So for a lot of people who are listening to this who may not know you, you obviously own your own mm-hmm. coffee business in, in Chicor, uh, which for the listeners, again, if they don't know where Inchicore is, it's in South Dublin. Uh, and actually for today's chat, it was more to kind of get an idea of how you actually went up at setting up a business and then specifically right. with coffee, how you made it to be where it is now. Here, before we start, man, like, what's the policy on swearing? Because, you know, I might be doing a lot of that. I have pre-arranged a mental note in my head to input as many bleeps as possible <laughs> into this episode. <laughs> so on that note, curse right. away, my friend. It's ten, right, nearly half sweet. ten at night. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> oh, bro, absolutely. Late night hour. Yeah. So let, let me kick it off. Yeah. First of all, the name is Juliano. Originally, I was born and raised in Albania in a little place called Fier until by the age of 10 and moved over to Ireland during the war in the 2000s. And funny enough, man, Inchicor was the first place we moved to. So that's, yeah, that's a very kind of strange coincidence to open a place in Inchicor. I think it felt right. How I got into coffee, I think, you know, Albanians, the same as Balkans and Turkish, like, you know, from a very young age, we've been taught how to make the perfect kind of, uh, we call it Cevzet, but I think in, in English, they call it Ibrik or Turkish coffee. Since I was young, man, I would always make, you know, for guests that come over or for the grandparents or their parents. Uh, so, you know, you, when you master that at a very young age, you know, tend to like coffee and tend to drink coffee at a young age as well. When we came to Ireland, man, I was primarily focused and my parents' focus on me was to get education. Uh, went to college. Uh, originally, you know, I went to, wanted to be a doctor, so I spent a little bit of time in RCSI. I didn't like RCSI. I left it. So my next kind of passion was to be a pharmacist. But, you know, pharmacy kind of, you know, you can't just leave RCSI, mm. transfer to pharmacy. You have to, you know, wait another year and then do the whole thing. And I was like, ah, I don't want to wait another year. 
the next thing close to pharmacy, I think, was pharmaceutical science. So, you know, that's what I went for. Uh, more practical than theory is what I wanted. So I chose the Dahl Institute of Technology to do my pharmaceutical science bachelor's degree, which was nice. You know, the dog is nice, quiet, quiet, nice. Mm, very strange place, man. It smells like <laughs> all the time. <laughs> no offense to anybody. From I was going to say, no. no. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautiful place. But man, you know when that bus comes in, man, and you're like seven o'clock in the morning and, you know, you, you don't need an alarm clock. You just, oh, shit, I'm here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> This is my stuff. Uh, For anyone that's listening to this from Dundalk, no I'm very listen, sorry. <laughs> listen, I love you all. Dundalk, beautiful place, great memories, a lot of fun. But they know, they know what's up. Clean air down there. Probably immune to it uh, at this stage. Yeah, yeah, they know what's going on. They're not shy. But yeah, it was nice there, you know, got my bachelor's there. And then, you know, the next kind of thing was to do uh, a higher diploma. And so I did uh, a year in Sligo. They do um, drug development in pharmaceuticals. Um, and the goal was essentially to work in GSK, but hated that job. So let me backtrack a little bit. There was on my second year, there was a statistics exam that I failed twice. I had to repeat the whole year. Which meant, uh, you know, I was doing nothing for like two semesters. So I needed to get my ass a job, which brings me to my first uh, introduction to coffee is where I worked in the Gokenny restaurant in Nazo Street in, in Dublin. And, you know, started off as a, a busboy, waiter, you know, kitchen porter, and then, you know, moved a little bit to coffee. And then they saw that I was really good with customers and coffee. So they just left me there. But I was kind of an all-rounder, you know, worked there throughout my bachelor's when I was going into Dundalk for three more years. That's where I got really interested in coffee. But in the beginning, it was, you know, kind of like a part-time job to pass the time. Didn't really think anything of it. Wasn't really what I wanted to do at that time. I was more focused on my education. And, you know, there were cats that were there, veteran baristas, like nine, 10 years that were still in the place. And some kind of joined with me as well. But they were very into coffee. And I always found them super weird. Like, who the fuck is into coffee that much? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because at that time, you know, I was young. And, you know, in my state of mind, it's like after this, you know, I'm going to go and, you know, be a scientist in a laboratory or this is my career path that I've chosen. I never kind of put one on one and two that these cats, this is their career choice. Like, this is what they wanted. For me at the time, it was kind of weird. Like, oh, these dudes... They were very, you know, into into this uh, thing called coffee, where you know, in Albania, it's just a thing that we drink. You know what I mean? But Part they were the very, culture. very into it. That's right. So, yeah. but here, it's you know, they wanted to more, you know, latte art and more kind of like filtered coffee was introduced at that time as well. And there was a uh, guy that I was working for, uh, like Wojtek. He was, you know, entered the barista competitions that were going on at the time. And became third in Ireland. You know, they were very into their coffee. But I was always kind of, you know, latte art. And that's about it for me. You know, I'm not really into the whole getting deep knowledge into this kind of crap. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay back and, you know, let them do them. And kind of, you want to go to a cupping? I'm like, the f*** is a cupping? No, man, I got shit to do. You know, I have a life. So I've got science stuff. But um, after my kind of like third, fourth year, you know, I was like, oh, it. like this you know these guys they have the passion and drive and i'm gonna kind of get into it with what's going on there and why why they're so into it and you know i joined classes and you know went to their cuppings and got more involved with coffee and i was like okay this is this is amazing i didn't know that and learned some more information that's how i got into coffee and then when i went to sligo i kind of realized throughout kind of my first and second semester like you know whenever we had kind of a group uh, presentation or kind of a demonstration of where bottleneck would be in the industry i would always kind of you know always refer it back to kind of my workplace or you know coffee general and one day i think one of the professors kind of put me back and was like man are you sure this is you should do coffee and you know i was like no no scientist this is a career choice you know mm. if my parents kind of knew i was going to want to be a barista they whooped my ass you know what i mean imagine man can you imagine telling your parents man you left the war foreign country now you want to be a barista you know there's a stigma to that you know in my country where it's, you're just a waiter but you know it is what it is after i finished my degree really didn't like laboratory work that i left it behind uh, while i was still in, in Sligo, I was working as well part-time Friday to Sunday in 
any restaurant in Azo Street. So I was doing the whole traveling back and forth. After I quit my job in Kilkenny restaurant and went into the pharmaceutical industry and stayed there for about six months. Didn't like it, hated it, you know, repetitive work. Nothing really excited me there. I felt like I was cheated a little bit in the career choice that I, I kind of got because it's an institution for school. They always promise you doorways. Oh, this is a leading step. Where my kind of passion was is, is Alzheimer's uh, research. And this is where I wanted to work predominantly in my career. So they were always like, oh, yeah, there, you can do that. It's a gateway to this. And, and then after you, you finish your first degree and you go to your second degree, they're like, oh, yeah, it's possible. And then after you finish all your degrees, and then it's like, oh, yeah, um, by the way, uh, Ireland, we only do manufacturing. There is no research. And it's like, if you're doing research, you might need a doctor degree, a doctoral degree. So you know, that's another four year. And you're like, what? And if you're trying to get a job abroad, they also need qualifications, PhD as well. So I felt, you know, a little bit cheated, uh, you know, especially in Ireland, like there is no gateway. Like it's either you got to leave the country to progress in your field or you're staying here and doing manufacturing uh, or just kind of like, you know, simple QC laboratory work. It's not really why anybody got into science. That's why I always tell science degree students that come into here, like leave Ireland. So I felt, you know, a little bit cheated in that. So I, I quit my job and, I went back to Dublin because I was living in Sligo at that time. And uh, I was like, I'm going to take two months off, kind of clear my head and, and, you know, see where I'm at. And then, you know, look for a job in Dublin and see how that goes. Uh, By the two weeks that I was kind of off, stressed and like, you know, bored and bored, so bored. Oh, my God. I never realized how much I love work. So my brother was saying to me that there was a place hiring in a specialty coffee shop, which is where we get into specialty now. And he's like, there's a guy that's working there called Martin, Polish dude. And he was, I think, like 2016 uh, Aeropress champion. And I this, you know, I knew everything what it is to know about kind of espresso dial-in and you know, latte art, but not so much into filter coffee. So I, you know, I was like, smart dude that I am. I was like, how can I get all the knowledge without paying for classes? If I work there, this is going to teach me. I went down to legit. I'm a cocky dude. So I went there and, you know, the, the owner came out and he's like, do you have a CV? And I was like, CV, uh, throw my phone, latte art. <laughs> he hired me on the spot. And, uh, you don't get that in the science industry. No, the dude, like I wanted to learn from absolutely hated me for the first six months. And so I stayed in legit for another four years. And then after that, the passion obviously was already there at that point, but it grew more. And I wanted to do more things, you know, especially in that place. For me, I wanted to open my own place, but getting a location in Dublin is like almost impossible. That was fairly a new business as well, legit. So I got a lot more, a lot of kind of insight on how a new business kind of works, how to manage it correctly and what to buy and what to avoid. And all. so, you know, that's where I kind of gained most of my management kind of uh, skills was watching the guys that legit fail at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to legit. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, They're someone had to learn from it. So. They're still doing amazing. Yeah, they're still doing amazing. They're still rocking it. Good stuff all around. But that's why, you know, I always kind of, if people want to open, to have no experience in, in coffee, I always say to them, you know, just work in a coffee place and learn. Mm. You know, that's the most thing. Because when people open a coffee shop, they have no idea what to buy or not to buy or will this work or not. So that's what I kind of did. So I went there, you know, learned filter, you know, got more customer experience, more managerial experience. But I still like throughout was looking for a location. And, you know, you look for a location at that kind of young age. I think I was about maybe 27, 26. And you walk in there, you know, you do get a viewing and you go for a viewing and you always get, oh, is your father coming? And you're like, oh, this is- you're like, oh man, I can't wait me. to go into business with you. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I did see, especially in legit and in other places, uh, uh, especially in the coffee industry, that by late 2018, the coffee industry was kind of slipping. Nobody really put any passion into it. There was more kind of a brunch scene in Dublin, more than a coffee scene. It kind of progressed mm. to more food, and then the coffee felt behind so what i wanted to do is you know solely focus on coffee and you know forget the food part how i got this location is because the guys from legit were originally wanting this spot in inchicore um i didn't really think anything of inchicore at the time and i but i was kind of relying that my bosses did some market research and if they wanted it there must have been something here but there was another dude who got this location before them 
but they didn't do anything. And eventually they pulled out uh, of the location and owner of this place contacted my ex-bosses, you know, the place is available. Do you want it? At that time, they already got another location up in Pittsburgh. So they were like, no, we have a location, but one of our staff has been looking to open his own place and uh, here's his contact details and contact him. And the guy contacted me. So he was like, absolutely, we want you to be in this spot. You know, I went to check it out. I didn't like it at first. You know, it was kind of a little bit, you know, in Chicora. I lived around here for like most of my adult life. When they saw the garden outside, I was like, ooh, I can do something with the garden. So I automatically, like, I wanted 2019, uh, June 1st is when we opened and so far, so good. The one, the one thing I love about going into the into unfiltered is that it's the atmosphere that you that you set. So, I mean, the music first of all is just it's always brilliant if you're into that type of music. <laughs> um, the artwork on the walls is amazing. But I suppose, like, what else would have been really important for you to focus on when it came to setting up a coffee shop specifically? Well, man, in in my kind of my kind of you know envisionment for like how I thought it would work out in the beginning is that you know you have the highest quality of coffee with the highest quality of machinery and a high quality staff as well that kind of you know whenever somebody would come in and walk into the door they would get an explanation if they sought for it i wanted you know everything of what truly it is to be a specialty coffee shop without the fakeness without bullshit and you know fake smiles and you know just be happy people to be working at a happy place like this is their career path they, i want staff you know to feel like when they come to work they're happy to come to work, not because, you know, they just want a part-time job or, you know, just a pass-through. Like, I, at this point in my life, I'm more more on the side of where those guys were like, this is a career path. And, you know, for me to hire you, you want to be in this industry for the long haul. I like that. It's because uh, you know? you're, you're bringing the people on that have an interest alongside you as opposed yeah. to just coming in to get yeah. to take the money off you and then off they go. Yeah, yeah. But it, there's not, nothing wrong with that as well. But, you know, but this is what I envisioned the coffee shop would be, you know, what true speciality would have been in my mind anyway. And that's what I always aim for to this day. It's about, it's the honesty that I love as well. Like I can ask you a direct question or I can ask any of the other staff in there, the staff that you've had in before, the staff that you have in now, I can ask them any question and they'll just be, they'll say, I know it or, and rarely enough, I don't know it. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. one of the guys you have in there at the moment um, what's the the, the, the dude that you have uh, working with you in the shop now I have two guys uh, top class one is uh, from Czech his name is Martin Martin and the other dude Martin <laughs> for God's sake <laughs> Martin that's right man uh, I often mistake him too <laughs> uh, and the other dude is uh philip the, the best thing about him was is that when i went in to have a conversation with him about coffee and asked him about making a filter coffee for me now there was just one particular morning that you weren't down just yet and i remember popping into the shop and i said to him yep yeah, i'd love to get a filter coffee please obviously to go within the in the covid times and uh, he said to me i actually don't know how to make the recipe just yet but I would really, I would really hold up for for Juliana to come back and make one for you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, why that's what yeah. I love. Like he won't he won't waste the products that you have. He doesn't no, want to waste no. my time or my money to know that I'm getting a, yeah, in his yeah. opinion, like an under uh, an underwhelming cup of filter coffee. Like it's so good absolutely. that he can just be that honest and say, actually, I don't know it yet. I'm still in the process of learning. I haven't mastered the recipe, but Juliana was on his way back. <laughs> Absolutely, man. This is at that point, like Martin was, uh, you know, his passion for coffee is astonishing more than me. I would, I would think like it's still to this day. I'm like, you know, he always stays behind and, you know, wants to learn what I'm, I'm working on recipes and, you know, how can I improve better? So at that time he was not very confident in his brew. And if he didn't know it, like, you know, he would not do it. Like he, he wouldn't do, he wouldn't make it for you because in his mind, he's like, I'd rather not uh, diminish the quality of this place by giving you a shit coffee. So he's like, yeah. I'd rather not do it. So exactly. He, I agree. And that's, like, that's brilliant though, because even when I've gone into different coffee shops in the past on the basis of the last cup of coffee I got from there was actually very, very good. And I want to go in and I, I as a customer, as a paying customer, I go in and I expect to get that same quality a cup of coffee again. 
and then for someone right. else to make it and for it not to be up to scratch as the last one. So for yeah. one of your staff to turn around and say, actually, I'm just going to be perfect, perfectly honest with you. I'm not great at making that. And he gave me a solution. And that's brilliant. Yeah. For you, when you were starting up the business now and obviously being there for over a year, and what, what would you have done differently looking back starting up the shop? Bro, if I had more money, I would have done everything differently. Like the same kind of concept, you know, music, walls, you know, that just, you know, fell into place with great artists, but uh, which is what I wanted in the beginning, like kind of, you know, but in terms of equipment and the knowledge I had at certain times, I felt as confident as I was, I was looking back now, wouldn't be in the best of choices, man, to get certain equipment and, you know, but again, like when I started up, I had kind of a budget and this was like all the money I had in my pocket. I couldn't afford anything else. But, you know, if I had kind of the capital, you know, and did it properly, you know, I would have invested, you know, on a filtration system beforehand and uh, more, more better equipment and kind of these kind of things. But, you know, it is what it is. Like you have to start off in a small kettle and then you progress to a better kettle with the flow restrictor, you know? When you get a little bit more capital in. So it is it is kind of like a situation. If I would have had to done it differently, you know, definitely get the equipment that I have now in the beginning. Just would have been better. And, you know, the knowledge that I have now as well would have been better, in my opinion. But again, you know, no money. <laughs> you got to do what you have. Like I know people who own gyms now that really would be pumping a lot of the money that they get back in, obviously, as a result of the gym. And they'll be put, putting it back into their business, which is the healthiest thing that you can do as far as the business is concerned, I imagine. When you're just mm-hmm. keeping up, say if it's a gym or even a coffee shop, they put the money back into the gym and they just keep improving the gym, whether it would be equipment, whether it would be marketing, whatever have you. It's it's brilliant that they could just keep pumping money back into the gym to make it better. So I imagine Absolutely. it would obviously will be the same with a lot of other businesses, but especially with coffee shops, as you said, to buy the better products, to make a better cup of coffee for people to keep coming back. I- in, in any industry, man, if, if let's say, man, if you're a bakery, like, you know, most of your money should go on equipment that would facilitate you to do the best kind of uh, baked goods you can, you know, better quality flour, uh, better kind of ovens, uh, better mixers, and, you know, whatever you kind of, it's a secondary thing, it, it would go, you know, still good quality, but, you know, you wouldn't waste most of your money on the secondary kind of product that you're selling. In my opinion, man, it'd always be whatever your business is and whatever you're kind of, you know, wanting to sell primarily, that's where your most income should go to. What other bits and pieces of advice would you offer to listeners if they were in the position where they wanted to set up their own business? As any kind of business that you're in, man, it's very important to work in that field. Let's say if you want to open up a coffee shop or a restaurant or it's all fun and games, you know, thinking about it and, you know, that might be a great idea or that is cool. But you, if you're not used to that type of environment, you might not necessarily like it. And when you have kind of a brick and mortar place, you're kind of locked down for a certain period of time. So you don't want to be in a situation when after the, the six months or the year later, you hate what you do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that for me is soul crushing. Definitely whatever business model you kind of want to enter into, I would highly kind of suggest or recommend that you at least spend a year working in that field and see if this is what you want to do going forward in your life. And then for you, obviously, I take it you set up a, a business plan to start off with. Would that be correct in saying or not? No, no business plan, no marketing, no surveillance of the area. What did I have? I worked like three jobs, um, saved up like 25000 And that's all I had, you know, by the end of buying all the equipment and, you know, doing the shop up myself. I think I had like on opening day, a thousand euro to my name. And then I was like, man, I remember like before we opened, I didn't sleep. And I was just down in the shop kind of getting everything ready. And I was just sitting there. I was thinking, man, this doesn't go well. I am five year lease, thousand euro to my name. Like, oh my God. But you know, knowing me, I like, I, I, I knew in myself, you know, whatever I'm going to do, it doesn't matter if I'm in the field and in Chicor and city center, like, it doesn't matter. Man. 
people will come, the quality will be there. That was mm. always in my mind. So I didn't really care, you know, if I got 100 euro that day or 600 euro or 1,000 or 10 euro. It didn't matter because I knew in myself what I'm producing is, you know, the shit. Yeah. And uh, to be fair, not because you're here, but I'll completely vouch for for you on that note. And this is where the story of the, the day before my wedding comes into it. So obviously you remember the day before my wedding, yeah, my yeah. special day. You remember it, of course. Um, of course. I, I, came, <laughs> I came in with a good friend of mine, Stephen Sheridan, um, mm-hmm. who uh, was my best man. And we went in on the day. Now, up until then, I was trying to convince this guy. I was just like, this is the shop we have to go to. This is the best (laughs) cup of coffee you're ever going to have in your life. And I don't think I actually told you this part of the story before, but after we left your shop, we were sitting in the car. Now, he was driving his car. I was driving mine. Oh, we were on the way up towards the hotel, which is where we were having the... I, me, me and the best man were getting married. No, my, where myself and my wife were going to have our function. And sure enough, when we were driving in the car, I had a sip of the coffee. But I still remember the name of the coffee. Oh, and it that, was just... That Honduras. Thank you. That's exactly. The one, with the, the, one yeah. with the, pot, the one with the hops. Oh, That's my right. dear Lord. Yeah. And I remember I, sp- I called him when I was in the car and he was in the car right behind me. And I said to him, Steve, you have to have a sip of that coffee now. And he said to me, I don't want to try a sip yet because I think I'm, it's, it's, it's a bit too hot. And I was like, no, it is perfect temperature. <laughs> and he had a sip of it. And all you hear is, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mangasm right there. Yeah. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> yeah, you can tell a man enjoys his coffee when he starts making noises mm. like that in the car behind you. Absolutely. But like, it was just, it was stupendous. And that's a story I still tell, obviously, to this day, because it was part it of is. the whole experience for me. And this is going back that's to what right. I was saying about you at the shop. It's an experience. When you go in, you meet these different people, whether they be the people behind right. the till, like yourself, or whether they be even customers. It's so easy to go in and have a conversation there, which is what any coffee shop should really do. I mean, when I go in for to a coffee shop, I love the idea of having a conversation with someone. But But that's also a therapeutic thing, man, because, you know, you don't want to really, you know, most of the coffee shops I go into, especially like uh, in a busy place, man, you feel like uh, it's a rotisserie kind of place, man. You get your coffee, you pay, you get out. There's no kind of engagement in there. And, you know, uh, if you do try to engage, you know, they're busy, obviously, as well. So you're kind of like, oh, I don't want to, you know, be talking if somebody's waiting for they're kind of like, oh, get out of my face. I got people to serve their bosses, like breathing down their necks. It's a very yeah. uncomfortable situation, you know. In Ireland, it's all about how can we get people in quick and then out quick? Kind of uh, how can we get quantity of people inside? And, you know, but that's just kind of, you know, the mentality of business owners in Ireland is they want a fast amount of people. Uh, where I try to go is the opposite way. If you come to my place, man, like like you said yourself, like you come, you have a chat. I'm talking to you while the uh, the other colleague is taking other people's orders and he's doing his thing. And, you know, obviously we're talking and working, multitasking there. But at the end of the day, like if you kind of come in and didn't really care or if you told me kind of like, I want this coffee, like, man, I got a bus to catch. It's not really, you know, for me personally, as I don't really care. Man, I'm not there to hold your hand to bring you into my shop. Like, it's not my job for you. Man, I didn't force you to come here. If you can't let me do the best of my quality, I'd rather not serve you. I'm like, man, take your bus. Like, don't worry about it. Thank mm. you other places in town, you know? Like, it's okay. Like, it's not offense to me if you leave. Like, if you're not here to get that good stuff or, you know, for me, it's kind of like, man, you know, you have to do yourself a favor get the coffee or people who come down here they you know even travel from europe or travel from other counties in ireland heard about us so they want to have that experience as well and you know um, it's why we're trying to give a different kind of alternative experience to the coffee scene and saying that you know as there is in city center where people kind of like want to keep the customer happy whereas in you know you get your coffee you get out they're happy and then they drink that coffee and it's because it was rushed and poor quality, you know? So in my eyes, it's not really customer service, man. You're just giving dudes spend like, you know, 340, 350 on a coffee that was crap. You know, if that's what you want as customer service, fair enough. But in my places, you know, everything is going to be thought out. If the shot is bad, automatically waste it, uh, throw it out, don't serve it. Uh, shots are always weighed and calibrated and, you know, always the same kind of gram in, gram out. Um, On that note, actually, while you're talking about all that, does the does your background in pharmaceutical science apply into your job now at all? Like, is there is there much crossover? So much, it hurts. (laughs) 
yesterday we we did man um, four cupping tables of six doing man different water TDSs and kind of uh, PPMs parts per million the hardness and changing different filter settings to get the optimal kind of so for me it just felt I was back in the laboratory testing the quality of the water I don't mean to interrupt you again but just for the listener's sake and actually I'll be perfectly honest with you for mine too what's cupping <laughs> Cupping basically is kind of um, unfiltered coffee, right? Where you grind, you grind a little bit of coarser fine, right? Total immersion. So you emerge it in water, uh, leave it till the crust over for about three minutes, break the crust, leave it until 10 minutes, cup it. And that's its uh, pure profile. Now you do cupping two different ways. Like you could do cupping, but you know, as a roaster, if you do want cupping samples, there's different kind of roasting that they do for cupping specifically. Or you can just cup it and see what this coffee will give you inside, like what its maximum profile that you can get from this coffee. And then you can in, in, bring that into your brewing method where you pull out what you like from that cup. I take it that was the that was that the was that the reason for the name then, unfiltered? No, I was very, very, very drunk one night uh, <laughs> in Sligo of all the places. And I kind of slept in the toilet, eating a dodgy kebab. Oh and the God. next day, the next day, man, we went to this place in uh, Strand Hill Beach and we got a burger. And uh, man, I couldn't move my neck. I don't know the way I slept in the toilet or something. And I was, you know, hungover. So I was thirsty. As shit. So I asked the girl if she could bring me like a bottle of water. So she brought out this bottle of water called the... Uh, on the bottle it was a clear glass called unfiltered unicorn tears i was like oh that's the name yeah i was like this unfiltered unicorn tears is what we call it and then uh, a smarter friend of mine who was sitting beside me and he was smarter like that's, friend of mine. that's that's too long of a name he's like there's no way you can fit that into a cup i was like you are right just unfiltered that's how it came about so then to go back uh, then towards the where the, the pharmaceutical science then so where is the crossover like if you were to give someone an example on what we what would you do on a daily basis that has a crossover between pharmaceutical science so and we, how you brew coffee so we would always kind of uh tds our uh, espresso shots in Which the morning is? before before we, which is a total dissolved solids of coffee. So if you get a nice, we aim for 20% uh, extraction from the coffee. And then we dial in the coffee, weigh the grams, weigh the, the coffee coming out of the, the machine as well. So everything is weighed in all, all parts from grinding to brewing. So this would, it's all pharmaceuticals, man. Everything in pharmaceuticals is you wait, uh, you try to have consistent consistency in everything that you do. Like all your shots have to be the same from today till tomorrow. They have to be the same TDS, uh, the same out. So there's no difference. You can't come in tomorrow and tell me, oh, this is a different shot than I have yesterday. That for me is the worst. In um, pharmaceuticals, that's how you kill someone. Obviously, part of the business is to bring in really, really good coffee. What are you looking for in a coffee bean before you buy it into yeah. the shop? For me, is the most complex part in ordering coffee from abroad or from any roaster at that point, man. Because there's so many, so many variables you don't know. There's a lot of variables you can't control and a lot of variables you don't have prior knowledge to. You don't know when that coffee was harvested. You could buy from a roastery abroad that tell you this Colombian scored 89 points. You don't know which harvest year they scored that 89 points. Was it before harvest year and the farmer kept that 89 points or is it this harvest year? But the farmer scored 89 points. You, you don't know if uh, the coffee, if it's dried in beds properly or if it's left there to saturate and you get phenolic kind of taste. So you don't know how the roasters roast if you've never had this coffee before. Uh, you don't know the type of water they use in their country. Is it hard? Is it soft? What PPMs do they use in their roastery? So there's a lot of variables. You kind of, you take a shot in the dark until you have your coffee here. And then you're like, this is Mm. Or, you know, this is good. To kind of control most of that, when I order coffee from abroad, except from one dude, which is a Manhattan uh, roastery in Netherlands, this guy, Ben Morrow, any coffee I've gotten from him is phenomenal. Mm, like, I've had it before. It's funny. And White Star as well, man. Like these cats, they, whatever coffee you get from them, there's no bad notes. and They will never sell or put out in their roastery terrible coffee. Mm. They dump it or, you know, take a hit or take a loss on that coffee. Uh, but other roasters, like I've gotten that, you know, the coffee wasn't bad. It's just, uh, you know, the water system that they have in their respective countries is, you know, maybe they have a lot of minerals or high uh, 
BPMs to 140, 150, they roast uh, based on their kind of water system that they have there. So, you know, it might be phenomenal where they're from, uh, but when you bring it to Ireland, it, it's bad. You know, it's, it's undrinkable unless you have a, you know, a filtration system that you kind of control to match that coffee. You know what I mean? So you, you do kind of go blinding, but, you know, the way I would kind of work around that is email the roaster and be, what's the BPMs you use? in your uh, roastery and what's the BPMs I have in my shop and see if I can match that, see if it would be suitable and what minerals do they have, if they know or not, their water system, uh, what's the harvest date, which year, obviously ask them, is this shit good, <laughs> you know, in a nice way. And then you bring it here and then, you know, you can either be surprised or disappointed, you know, like this is how I would do it, but it's very, very hard, bro, to get coffee from abroad like what might work in their country is not necessarily that will work in ireland regarding to water and, and these kind of things would also be like the raw style that they use certain parts of you know germany or especially italy they like dark roast coffee so if you're ordering you know stuff from italy they are tailored to their customers so when you bring it here it's too dark for you especially for your shop, if you kind of like roast coffee, a specialty. So it might not really suit your shop, mm. but it would suit their kind of customer uh, base where they're from. So there's a lot of things you got to factor in before you buy from abroad. The one big thing I'm really hoping the listeners take away from this is how much work goes into just making that little cup of coffee that you buy for a few euro a day or yeah. make it home yourself. And obviously, like everyone, everyone knows, coffee has just become a part of society now. As you said, it's like it's it's therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, you can go yeah. into a shop, you can talk to someone, you get a lovely cup of coffee. That that could be maybe one of the reasons why your day could start off on such a good note or just on a really, really bad note and whatever <laughs> else. There's a social aspect of it where you talk, talk to people, as I said, in the you know, the sports science industry. You know, the the, the benefit the benefits of caffeine, drinking coffee, mm. there's health benefits, there's performance benefits from drinking those. But then similar enough to you, there was the cultural aspect of it for me. Uh, in that I think I was saying it to you before, I was actually born in Jordan in the middle least it, it's part of the culture over there where before a meal you come in and have a coffee after a meal you'd have a coffee it's not some unfiltered coffee as well Ooh, yeah that hard stuff <laughs> oh it's it's beautiful i'd blow your head off after dinner type thing Bro, i mean man, like absolutely. it's the the one big thing again i want to reiterate to the listeners is that it's it's there's so much work that goes into place to making this cup of coffee and uh, this is actually i'm going to have a personal personal mention of my in-laws now when i say this too but the the in-laws look at me funny when i'm making a filtered cup of coffee because to be honest at the end of the day for them coffee is coffee it's something as simple as you pop a pot into an espresso and that's the coffee being made for you that's the espresso being made for you whereas for me it's a whole process i'll wake up in the morning and i'll make my chemex first thing in the morning my filter coffee all it's like an anchoring of the day for me that's how i like to start off my day that's my routine and yeah it's a so ritual. I, I wouldn't be i've only been into coffee the last i'd say oof, maybe three four years at best but just the amount of knowledge I've learned just from you alone about coffee. Like I come in and you know, like you probably, I know you love talking about coffee, but there has to be a limit to how many times that you get sick of getting asked about coffee. Man, not one day have I ever been sick of getting, because everybody is, is a different levels of, of their kind of journey into, uh, especially speciality. So they're on like different levels. So you don't know really which kind of level, you know, they're into and what kind of knowledge they have so it's always kind of a surprise with somebody like i use like third wave sachets and get distilled water for me that's always like wow this guy he knows his uh his water system for his coffee so it's nice man it's, it's never like a dull moment if somebody comes in or they, and at the end of the day like it's our job as well help guide them into the right direction of you know what kind of uh coffee they want to buy or what kind of water they should be using or you know you're, you're kind of a lecturer at the end of the day not everybody wants to talk about this as well so you kind of have to know your customer base too the to finish up each episode what i love to do is um i, lo I like to get the listeners questions each week on my instagram and i I ask my guests those questions. One of the questions I have is from, I believe, a customer of yours by the name of Dara Omara. And he has he's asked you the question. It's actually a two-part question. The first part is, mm -hmm. what is the best coffee you have ever had? I had, man, a really nice Bolivian coffee from this cat in Romania, uh, the roaster uh, called Bob Man Dog. It was just beautifully roasted, beautifully brewed by one of the guys here in Ireland, Daniel Hobart. I think I paid like, man, it was 15 euro for a V60, but 
like I still remember that about leaving. I was like, man, this this is like the roasting style. I've never had like this kind of roasting style before. And I was like, it blew me away. Tea like kind of uh, body, very floral with uh, stone fruits and peaches and papaya. Wow. Yeah, man. That was really, really good, man. It's just combination of, you know, good roasting, good farm, good brewer as well. So through the whole chain, the whole process was, you know, beautifully uh, executed. The second part of that question then was, who was the most interesting person that you that you have ever had the pleasure in dealing with at the shop? Ooh. Good question, that's actually. That's hard, man. Cause yeah. That's hard, man, because a lot of interesting people come in, man. Like, there's cats that come in that, you know, they're screenwriters and actors and so it's it's a lot of lot there's a lot of scientists and you know musicians so man it's hard because a lot of a lot of cats come in that uh, do various kind of things and their life is pretty interesting for some reason it always stands out to me there was this dude that came in from uh i don't know if you heard of blue bottle coffee not you personally know? no it's like it's in asia it's huge and in america and canada it's huge as well it's like a starbucks kind of thing right and this dude came in and you know we were talking about this uh, i had the sandwich on it with goobie and chorizo and goobie and cheese and then he was like oh what goobie and i was like oh yeah it's from cork you know the goobie family great and he's like i'm from cork and i was like get the f- out of here <laughs> he's like, yeah. And he's like, my son's from Cork too. And I was like, well, who's your son? And he's like, oh, do you know Blue Bottle? And I was like, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's the owner of Blue Bottle. And he's like, well, I work for Blue Bottle as well. I'm like the marketing executive for the Asian division. I was like, wow, this dude was old as shit. Like he had his own. <laughs> he had his own like I don't know if it was entourage or this young guy that was with him and but anyway we sat down and you know I brewed him a coffee and we had a chat in the back sat down and you know weirdly man that dude was the most interesting for me and I asked him man why because Blue Bottle have like amazing uh, marketing strategy so I was like man what makes it your marketing strategy so good and this looked at me in my goddamn eyes and he's like you know i thought he was gonna give me some profound words he looked at me he's like i have the vision they do all the work i was like this motherfucker <laughs> i was like <laughs> he's like he didn't i was like you don't do shit then he's like no <laughs> <laughs> i was no i was so disappointed i was like oh that's such Bad a way. you you had me like just on the oh you had me on the cliff and then man, just so active climax. Well. I was there as well. It was, for me it was pretty I don't know, just a weird kind of coincidence, man. And in Chicor, I was like, what the f are you doing in Chicor? <laughs> I have a, I have a, I have another one for you now as well, actually. This is this is the brother of my best man. Uh, David Sheridan is his name and he, nice. he's gonna throw a curveball at you here. So the question is describe your perfect pour over technique using wrong answers only. Wrong answers only. Mm. Uh, you get the uh, tap water and you use the coarsest setting possible. Go on to V60, uh, brew at 60 degrees. Uh, let that bad boy sit for 10 minutes and let it pour over. Drink that nice and cold. Delicious. <laughs> Super. Now to, to invert it then, what would be your perfect pour over technique? Like the mass major- majority, because everybody always wants to know and obviously there's people there that they've seen on Instagram or whatever, or their barista, this is my method for uh, brewing so-and-so and what and what, man. But for me, like, they're, they're all completely wrong. There's no correct method in brewing coffee because whatever that guy is doing with that coffee, you got to understand, like, the water is, water in your filter coffee is 98%, right? And your espresso is 90%. So if you don't have the same water as that dude who's brewing that coffee, there's no way you can extract uh, the exact same profile as this cat. And if you don't have the same grinder, which is your next kind of biggest thing, is water and grind size. If you don't have a consistent grinder uh, that would perfectly grind your coffee there is no kind of recipe you can go for. You're just, you're taking a shot in the dark. So mm. if you don't, that's why we invest so much in the filtration system that we have in the shop and so much in the grinders that we have. Um, so these these are your two biggest factors when you're brewing coffee. So you got to have a nice grinder and you have to have a water that would match uh, your coffee or the BPMs of that roastery of that region or that country. Or if you have roasters in Ireland, uh, you have to have the kind of same filtration system uh, that 
I think 80% of roasters have, which is a 3M kind of filtration system for their roastery. What 3M would do is basically it's the same as having uh, bottled water that you can get in a volvic or the less uh, dicarbonates in it, the better, and the high mineral content, the better. More magnesium is always good. And then you go into brewing. But if you're looking for ratios into brewing, I would always start off with a 116 ratio where you have uh, 15 grams of coffee perfectly ground to your out, which is 250 uh, mils of water, uh, which will give you a yield of 210 in the cup. So this would always kind of go for me. And then from that kind of first uh, brew, it will determine whether I want it to be more sweet or, you know, more uh, to a different ratio increase the dose, decrease the dose, increase the grind size, decrease the grind size to get what I want from that cup. But I would always start off with, if I ever get kind of a new cup, coffee after cupping, I would always do a 116 ratio and then I move from there. So there's always kind of steps uh, into your brewing. What's your opinion on filtering already filtered coffee? Already filtered coffee. So like when you, you if you get like, say for example, you have the Chemex, you pour it out and then you pour it back in through the filter paper and you just do it a couple of times. Have you seen this? I wouldn't call it a trend now, but have you seen this thing going around on social media? No. They're no. Why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely do not do that. But there's a lot of weird trends that, that like you have to understand for, you know, a speciality. Like the thing that kind of annoys me the most is, how can I say, like how many, how many people are out there that are starting Instagram pages for, you know, reviewing coffee shops. For me, this is ridiculous. You see posts that are there, for example, Love in Dublin reviewing 10 best. How the f*** do they know? They don't drink f***ing coffee. Unless you're, you know, into this business or you're, you know, years or you have a magazine that's, you know, spent 10 years dedicated to the speciality industry, then you can be like, you know, these are the 10 best spots in, in Ireland or Dublin or whatever. But if you're some 17-year-old working for Love in Dublin, going, these are the best spots, that shit annoys me, man. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing for me. Like, man, there was an incident where I think Love in Dublin tried to put me with like 13 best spots. In, in Dublin, and I had to send an email to this teenager. I would, I don't know, she was uh, in her early twenties, but I was like, you "Fucking take me off the list, or there's going to be issues." <laughs> She's like, "I apologize." Yeah, absolutely. For me to be associated with, you know, the cafes that she put me in there, I was like, "You have no idea." Like other cafes that are around, there's a reason why they're not really published in like these kind of articles because they don't want to be there. Like they're on a different category. There's a lot of trends that are going on. A lot of people that kind of they think they know coffee or three stars wasn't hot enough and you're like motherfucker it's not supposed to be hot <laughs> you know your palate your palate only works at 65 degrees man other than that it's you can't taste oh listen you know? that's an entirely different conversation it's just these kind of like trends that you know i don't know man like you know for for you got guys that are out there man that in my opinion man cafes as well in ireland and abroad that, you know, spend after hours working on recipes and getting the the uh, milk to espresso ratio, you know, for that cup to be amazing. And then you have some head going like, I'm not fucking paying 330 for this uh, eight ounce cappuccino. I want mine 16 ounce. And you're like, mm. this motherfucker, <laughs> you know? Okay, what you're doing is, man, you're degrading not only the farmer that worked for that, man, but you're also putting down your roaster and you're putting down your own self, man, for working that hard to produce that cup of coffee, you know, but that's where education comes in. And you know, that's yeah. what we try to do as well. Uh, you know, so people understand, like, you know, the third wave kind of industry is already dead, in my opinion, like we've moved past uh, the whole kind of getting the single origin press or shop, man, we're more kind of focused now as an industry on how can we better help farmers and get more exposure to farmers so you know as a coffee shop as an industry as well in the speciality sector how uh, we can represent the farmers and give them better pay so we buy more so our beans will be more expensive but then at the end of the day like the farmer is getting fair wage he can hire more employees and you know uh, upgrade his equipment and his kind of business as well so yeah we try to elevate more farmers you know and roasters and then ourselves as well so that's where i think the, the the next kind of phases for this industry specifically. I think the big the big word there is community. It's Absolutely. Just, you're Absolutely. Just creating the whole community, whether it's your local shop or even starting Absolutely. from the farmer in the community. And like that farmer is giving people jobs in and around the area, wherever that Absolutely. farmer may be located. So it's it's great to speak to someone who has an understanding for 
every scope of coffee and to identify that it's not just as simple as going to little and buying one of those little Nespresso pods off of the shelf. Like there's so much more to it involved. And even away from those little pods, just a good coffee bean in itself, where it's come from, what opportunity that offers people. What's next for you then going forward? Um, what do you foresee yourself doing in the future? Well, the plan is, man, so right now we kind of we want to get into the, the Asian market. I used to live in Japan, so I want to open a second spot in Osaka. So this is where I'm kind of trying to work. How can I open a second place down there and make that place bang? In, one in Ireland, one in Japan, one in Korea, and then the fourth one in New Zealand. Are these all places that you would have lived in before? No, no, just Japan. Korea, it, it just became that way because I don't know, I'm getting a lot of promotion from some of the, the cats down there in the coffee industry. So I thought, why not? I don't like to make shit easy for myself. Good. If you're going to do something, don't half-ass it. That's where I stand anyway. <clears throat> the last question I have for you then, if, if someone was looking to start up a business, what would you say to them now if they're in that position where they just want to go for it and they're a little bit unsure about what to do? Three things for me. Get an accountant. Don't think you can do that shit on yourself. For me, I thought I could do paperwork myself. Get an accountant that's right for your your kind of industry. You know, make sure the accountant has other you know restaurants or if you're going for cafes, other cafes under their belt, so they have an idea of how to deal with you. You know, second thing is, man, if you're not sure, if you're nervous, or if you're kind of let's say you just getting into any industry, I highly, highly recommend you get a consultant man absolutely like somebody who knows uh, where to source this where they can get it cheaper or you know especially in my industry like we would kind of go in and be like you don't need this equipment like a consultant is expensive yes but in the long run they would save you money when you have a consultant by your side man you're just avoiding all the pitfalls you know that they avoided as well you know all the mistakes that they made so you're going to end up in the long run saving yourself a good chunk of money. So if, if you're not sure, absolutely do get a consultant. And the third one is, you know, don't just open a business for the sake of opening a business because, you know, Mr. Big Balls here wants the stature of being, uh, I don't know, man, you know, a coffee shop owner or bring all his mates or owning a restaurant. Like, man, it's a hard job. And not only are you in charge of uh, your own finances now, but you have to be responsible for other people's living. Make sure you do work in this industry. If you're going forward with that, like you got a few kind of months or maybe a year under your belt, but okay, I really like this kind of field. I want to get into it. Thank you so much for all that information. And in just the laughs as well, like that, that was a fantastic conversation with someone who clearly knows Absolutely. what they're talking about. And I'm really <laughs> hoping, yeah, clearly. 80%, clearly. I'm going to go 80%. <laughs> I'm going to leave some room for error. As a whole, if you are looking to set up a business, Juliano's after giving extremely good advice there that I would recommend taking on board. And lastly, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Juliano, thank you so much again for your time. Thanks for I, having I me. I think bro. without even talking to the, the listeners, I'm sure people will want to hear back from you again. So thank you very much. See you. Bye-bye. And that's it for episode five, everyone. Thanks very much for listening if you've come this far, as always. The goal for me is to get to 10 episodes for season one, reassess and see if we go again for season two. So in the meantime, I'd love to get in touch with you, the listeners, to see if you're one, enjoying the episodes, two, if you're getting anything from them, and three, if you want to hear more of this going forward. If you guys have any suggestions for guests or any speakers that you'd like me to get onto this podcast, by all means, fire a suggestion into my DMs. Also, you can get my email address, which Ari will give you next. And for anyone that's looking to get in touch with Juliano, you can find him on his Instagram handle, which is unfilteredcoffeeco. Again, he is based in Inchicore in South Dublin, so once COVID is over and you have the capabilities to go visit the shop if you can, I would highly Highly recommend it. One, for just the absolutely brilliant conversations that you'd have with Juliano. Two, the coffee standard is incredible. And three, the atmosphere is fantastic. That's it for me, guys. On next week's episode, I'll be speaking to a mental health practitioner on how to develop and maintain your mental health and well-being in these unprecedented times. Thanks very much for listening. If you've come this far, do consider rating, reviewing and subscribing to the podcast. All that good stuff. Here's Aria with the details and I will chat to you next week. Bye-bye. If you want to talk to my daddy, go and 
email and Instagram. His Instagram is lbbeformance and his email is coach at lbbeformance.ie. See you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.